Thank you. Welcome to Schmears the Deal. Pretty special Schmears the Deal, I would say. Jake, where are we today? We are in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, and we are at Acme Smoked Fish. And pretty excited to be here. I'm. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, we had a pretty amazing tour, actually. We will talk about that, I guess, in our second segment. We'll, of course, do our recurring segment, Mention Schmuck of the Week, our House of Cards review. We're going to talk a little bit about the future of jobs in this country, which is going to be a little bit of debate back and forth between me and Jake. We'll have our final toast, and then we'll get out of here. And with that, uh, we're bringing in Richie Schiff. He's the general manager here at Acme Smokehouse. Richie, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you so much for having us. We have So right now we're sort of in a conference room of sorts, which is why for our normal listeners you don't hear the bagel store ambiance going on. But we have an incredible spread of smoked salmon in front of us, which we're going to try. We also have Zucker's Bagels with us to try them with their scallion cream cheese, which we're pretty excited about just so we can get the full, I guess the full treatment even though we're in in the Acme conference rooms upstairs above their smokehouse. And so why don't you just tell us what's in front of us? We have four smoked salmons in front of us. And do you want to just go through which one is which? one is which? Jake is putting one on his bagel right now. Which one is that? Sure. Jake is putting our gravlocks on his, uh, his first half of bagel. And next to that, we've got some lemon pepper smoked salmon. And those are two of our popular Fish Friday specials um we also have our traditional norwegian salmon which is just old school um hand sliced and that's this one yep um and next to that is our dry cured atlantic salmon which is made from a fresh chilean salmon filet that's flown in it was um it was arrived and unpacked here on monday and came out of the oven today and this was sliced this afternoon so it's you can't get it any fresher this is one of the first one of the few times i've ever had gravlocks it's really really delicious yeah it's got a, a little bit of a sweetness to it because yeah. um for our for our listeners can you just tell us what gravlocks is how it's differentiate how it's differentiated sure gravlocks is a traditional scandinavian style of preparing salmon and preserving salmon um Basically, you take a, uh, to do it the traditional way, and this is a way you could even do it at home, Mm -hmm. uh, you take a fresh side of salmon, and you take, I'm sorry, you take a two to one sugar to salt mixture, okay, and sprinkle it, coat it all over the, all over the fish, uh, skin, you know, skin side down in a tray, and then you take tons of fresh dill, the more the merrier, and place it all on top of there. And you'll leave it, um, you know, the, the best way to do it is to, uh, not the most food safe, but the best way to do it is to probably leave it on the counter for like three hours, just like that, and, and let it sort of start marinating into the, uh, into the fish. Then you're going to turn it over and put another tray on top of it with some weight. So like take a couple of bricks and, and press it down and just keep repeating, keep turning it over and you'll store it in the fridge for from now on. Um, but you'll keep turning it over every four to six hours for two days. And then you kind of rinse it off and um, get some of the surface salt off and it's ready to eat. I think a lot of people really enjoy smoked salmon and lox etc and simultaneously don't really know the process behind it and the tour that you gave us just a few minutes ago is incredible and 
if you could just kind of break down the the smoking and brining process for people that wouldn't know that would be amazing sure we'll start with either uh you know any number of salmon uh raw material so it'll it'll either be a fresh chilean side a frozen side a large norwegian fillet a wild coho a king sockeye and you guys you guys actually have a factory in chile right where you we do we have our own cutting house in chile so we are taking possession of the fish down there right from the farms and doing our own cutting and processing amazing. down there preparing it for our smokehouse here in new york or north carolina or for other um, you know smoking customers that are that are looking for the absolute best food safe salmon available that's a place called acme chili okay and it's a joint venture between the owners of this company and our chilean partners so um that fish is a great example to 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 start with so that fish will come here filleted um bones out um and um we'll do a dry cure process okay so that entails putting a a coating of salt and sugar on the fish and letting it sit in the cooler for uh for a day and a half while that sort of marinates into the fish and, and we sort of, we saw that actually in the factory and it's just it's hard to explain even for our listeners but it's hundreds if not thousands of these just fillets giant fillets with this coating on it that's in a i guess a refrigerated area more if you'd like to see a photograph shameless plug follow us on instagram yeah so those will those will stay in in the cooler uh for like i said about a day and a half and then they'll get rinsed off with some fresh water and um and then they'll get put into the cold smoke oven um just to describe it it's a a room or um either a room that's specifically built for this which in our case it's a you know two custom-made rooms or an oven that you can you know have uh, somebody in in Europe manufacture and and it's these big stainless steel ovens that are made for just this purpose um, but there are there are fans so it's blowing high velocity air at 72 degrees um, over... I, was, I was saying earlier it's kind of balmy it's like a nice temperature in there minus yeah, it's like the a nice salty smokiness right um, and uh, it'll alternate between drying and smoking overnight. So okay. uh, we put the fish in in the afternoon, and in the morning when we come in, um, 4 or 5 a.m., the, the ovens are being unloaded, and the fish is being chilled down to uh, to get ready to be sliced, packaged, or just go out whole. Just because we're eating, digging in, these, all these smoked salmons are delicious, by the way. Which of these is your favorite? So it's definitely changed over the years, and it... Um, and it changes, I guess, a little bit by mood. But to me, the absolute best is the simple Nova Salmon. Um, always used to be, for me, the Norwegians. I would say I agree with that. The Nova Salmon is, in, is incredible. Everything's very good, but the Nova Salmon's incredible. Yeah, the, this is the, the traditional old-school Norwegian. Um, that was my favorite probably the first 10 years I've, I was in the business. It is... It's now changed a little bit towards the um, towards this fresh dry cured Chilean salmon. Um, I think as far as smoking goes, do you mind if I goes, take the rest of this? Go for it. I have like ten more thousand pounds right downstairs. <laughs> so, um, and and when that's gone tonight, we're going to make another ten tomorrow. So <laughs> right. Um, 
but the the Chilean salmon, I think, is the is the best quality uh, for smoking um, because of the 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 feed they give it, the texture, the color. It's just it's just a stellar product. What uh, what's the taste difference in the two? Would you say, or is it more a quality type thing? The Norwegian salmon is yeah, it's is amazing. A the, the classic is is very very. Yeah, I agree. It's fat. It's sort of a fattier taste. Yeah, and the the Chilean is definitely a little bit leaner. Um, this is incre- incredibly incredibly good. Yeah, thank you. That's uh, that's I think why it's probably like the New York standard of of all smoked salmon. Like and and when he when he says that, it's like it's not just this type of fish. It's this. From from here, this fish is the standard. I, I'm, I'm melting in my seat. Thank you. I'm gushing. Well, it's true. The majority of the places, 95% of the places we've been to source from you guys, and, and at least at some point. So we talked about this a little earlier, and some of the places we've encountered have specialty smoked salmons from you. They will come here, and they will design their own uh, smoked salmon or figure out a different way of smoking. You don't have to tell us exactly how it goes on because I know that's a trade secret, but when you get an order like that, how do you go about how do you go about fulfilling that? Well basically what I try to do is I try to find out what they want to start with. And you know, many times they don't know they won't know the technical uh, oh I want a, a uh, you know, a Scottish salmon or a Canadian salmon. They they may know that they may think that they want a Scottish salmon, but they don't even really know what that means or why. Only that you know, in in their mind or a lot of people's minds, that's the best. Um, but what we try to do is guide people to make good choices and and um, things that are sustainable and repeatable, so that we can um, so that we can have a chance at coming up with a, a repeatable product so that their customers are used to a certain flavor and taste when they come into the store. Um, and everybody likes something different, you know, where you guys are really digging the, the Norwegian, somebody may say, Oh, that's too fatty for me. I, I want something leaner. Uh, my customers want, um, you know, want this fresh Chilean. That sounds pretty foolish to me. That's how good <laughs> the Norwegian salmon is. You just defended like, 16 customers of mine. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it really is a matter of, of preference. And some people don't want to go through the process of, of taking the bones out. They want a fully trimmed fish. Some people want a sliced fish. So, and some people work with both. Do you think that since we typically review, you know, like a full bagel with schmear, do you think there are different bagels and different schmears and combinations of the two that work better or worse with specific fishes or fish that's not that's not well way. yeah <laughs> no i mean definitely definitely you're close that's what matters the right combination you know the right bagel architecture is important and um you know to to me i like the bagel to kind of have like the density to stand up to the delicate, you know, the delicate nature mm-hmm. of the smoked salmon. Um, I I can't stand eating smoked salmon on like a soft uh, bread, like a, a soft piece of wheat bread or white bread or something. That's like, like that. a that's a crime it level a, offense. Ex- exactly. Um, you know, I would say we agree. Okay. By the way, so um, you know, and and. There are, have been streaks in my life where I wouldn't put any cream cheese on 
on the bagel. The my best friend David Caslow, who's one of the owners of the company, he wouldn't touch cream cheese on it. He eats butter with his wow Nova on a bagel, and uh, you know that's, and, that's very interesting, right? So and his you know he and his family have been doing this for four generations, and um, you know uh, actually both him and his father are are butter with Nova guys. Wow. So don't judge. <laughs> oh no, I it's not a judgment thing. We actually ask a lot of people because so many bagel store managers and owners see people order really questionable stuff for the most part. Right. We always ask that. So that's that's really interesting. That was something I wanted to ask you. My um, brother's a cinnamon raisin bagel with Nova guy. That's insane. So we've we've heard that actually. Many many owners have told us that's like the craziest thing they've heard. You know what? It's not that bad. Really? I well, maybe we will have to try it. Last week, uh, the manager told us she doesn't yuck on anyone's yum, right. which is a good, pretty, pretty good phrase, I would say. Yeah, I think that that was my new, like a new favorite phrase for me. Like, just, I also agree with it. It's yeah. just to each their own. Yep. I don't know, man. I kind of yuck a little bit on the cinnamon raisin thing, but maybe I have to try it now. Right. Well, listen, Richie, um, we're gonna go to break, but will you stick around and do like an extra segment? Sure. With those? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Uh, we're go- we're gonna go to break. We'll be right back with Mansion Schmuck of the Week and our House of Cards final review. This is Schmears the Deal. But you'd think at that point the world will go. Listen, Germany. Here's the deal. You don't gotta be a country no more. On account of you keep attacking the world. What do you think, you're Mars or something? Welcome back to Schmears the Deal. I'm Jake Seawalk alongside Nick Feynman. Dude, I'm in such a good mood right now. I'm this in a great mood. <laughs> we are more uh, locks. Wow. We've more different types of locks. Really than I tremendous ever amount of salmon today. Um, a huge thanks to Matt Pomerantz and Dan Pace. <clears throat> Pardon me. Over at Zucker's, they provided us with <clears throat> a really delicious our vehicle for um, the smoked salmon. Yeah, yeah. They provided us say. with everything bagels and scallion schmear. Really, really uh, way, delicious. Richie is still with us. He is dressing up a bagel better than I've ever uh, seen. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. He's it's almost, it's almost like now. he does this professionally. Um, so, so a huge thanks to Zucker's. Uh, really delicious sandwiches. And that of course, we had the today. Acme Smoke Smokehouse, which we're where we are right now, still. Do you, so, do you want to just go really quickly before I mention Schmuck? I just want to mention the the tour of the facilities because we got a pretty cool backstage tour. I've seen more salmon fillets in my life yeah. there today, I think, than in my life previously. Well, to be fair, I don't know when you would have seen like more than two at once. You but don't know <coughs> where, where I've been or what I've done. But yeah, I agree. Um, it was it was amazing <laughs> what we saw. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. All right, with that, um, this is our current segment, Mention Schmuck of the Week. Let's let. I think a is like a superhero. Those were the days when I was just a poor schmuck. They're looking at him like, what a schmuck. So this is uh, mentioned schmuck of the week. Of course, Jake just tried. I'm laughing because Jake Jake just tried to take a sip out of a closed water bottle. Didn't, it didn't go so well for me. I got no water out of it. Like I said, I, th- I think the smoked salmon's gone to our heads a little bit. <clears throat> so, uh, Jake, who's your mensch? Who's your mensch? Or no, I'm mensch. You're mensch. I was going to see, see who you had. I have, I think, our first inanimate object mensch possible. I think. I By think the way, honorary right. mensch is Richie because he mentioned he wanted. To he be wanted to be our mensch of the week. But it's not. He maybe he'll make it next week. You can't just you can't just force your way in, no matter how much smoked salmon you give. So I think we'll, <laughs> the the mensch is gonna. 
going to continue to be who I had originally, which is actually, it's not a who, it's an it. It's an inanimate object. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. A company in Japan came out with a chair that gives you a hug when you're sitting Aww. there. I, but it's I a honestly mensch move. don't know if that's something I would want. It sounds like it could potentially be very creepy. And terrifying, like you and couldn't terrifying. get away. Right. Yeah, fair. fair. My, my schmuck is the fella who took a selfie while... <laughs> standing next to a uh, suicide bomber, the guy in Cyprus. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty, pretty, pretty wild. Rough. He uh, he sent, I think, a text of it to his friends that is like, "I never back the fuck down" or something, and something is absolutely insane. There was a Reddit thread about it, and someone posted in the Reddit thread saying, "Like, oh my, oh my goodness, I went to high school with that guy, but if you told me <laughs> back in high school that this guy would end up taking a selfie with a suicide bomber." I would not be surprised even a little bit. <laughs> so she's my schmuck of the week. And let's jump into our House of Cards breakdown. Yeah, this is something we did the first half a couple of weeks ago. Um, and this is the rest of the season. We're going to do our best to keep it spoiler free and talk yeah. about the bigger themes. I, w- I, I thought the first half was a stronger of the season set of episodes. Yeah, it certainly, it certainly hits a crescendo uh, in the middle. It's a little, it's a little it, unfortunate. It does, actually. it doesn't, it doesn't. It, it, I actually thought it crescendoed. There are 13 episodes, right? Yeah. I thought it crescendoed around the 10th episode. So I guess the question the question is we talked so originally when we first talked about this Jake brought up the point that Netflix as a medium has really changed the way the show is written or at least affected the way the show is written. Maybe not changed it. Maybe it was like this from the beginning. So my question is it seems like unlike other shows see, in most other shows seasons tend to have story arcs. This show, it seems, it's one continuous story arc, and it's it's almost leaves you on a cliffhanger. Well, well always, what you right? usually see is you usually see each season has their own arc, but then there's also a an overarching arc as well, and that that I I think that you just kind of see more of the overarching arc right um, in House of Cards than you do on other television shows, right, and. I was pretty disappointed. I'm kind of frustrated the, by it. The honestly. reason why I don't think it worked is I just think that they moved it. They moved the story along too slowly in this season. Yeah, I think that you know they started with the presidential election. It should have ended with the president. The presidential election should have happened. You know in what? This se- in this season, you know what I think they suffer from a little bit, and it's I. I think I see the same thing with journalists that move from print to online. They have all of they have as much space as they want, as much room as they want, and they tend to spread out, and it right. loses is it loses its impact. It's like what happened with the Hobbit. Yes, the Hobbit should have been two movies, well, and it was three. Right, and because they been, wanted the revenue, they wanted the that. revenue, and it's similar to this with Netflix, as they. They wanted five seasons. The next season will be the last. They wanted five seasons. Is the last season the last? Yeah, and honestly, this should have been... I, hate, I never thought I would say this, but thank God. I, I it, thought it, it was going to be... They're starting to get close to ruining it. I don't know why it's not four. I mean, that, that makes sense. Four seasons of 13 episodes Richard, is... Richard just knocked his bagel over. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, but to interrupt the four, If you think about the breakdown, this is what I thought they were always going to do. This is why I thought there were 13 episodes. Right. Four episodes or four seasons with 13 episodes is just like a deck of cards. It's you know four suits right. with 13 cards in each suit. And I thought that that was what they were trying to go for. And then they announced that they were doing a fifth season. And I thought it that... kind of ruined the whole thing. It, I, I think it's going on for too long. The, uh, I and will I think say parts of the season... 13 episodes is too many episodes. Parts of the season I really loved. Parts of the season were House of Cards at its best for me, and parts of it I agree. Were, I think were parts of it boring. were incredible. I think that... Can I just say I hate, I hate the writer. 
I know he's a very polarizing. No, 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 no. The character. Oh, Tom. Tom. Tom he, I know he's a very. I like him. No, 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 no. He. That's a journalist. Oh, right? oh, you're talking about. Uh, oh, I know who you're talking about. I think that he. It's interesting. He has moments where I love the, spe- the character. The speechwriter. Yeah, and he's moments very where I think that he's, like, what? He's not even a good actor. No, it's just like he's like a guy who's just there. You know what I mean? Like it's anyway. it goes like there were I know part, there were people parts, that love him though. So I didn't like him at all last season. I thought it was just he was not a good actor. And then there were parts this season where I was like, oh, this is a character that I'm really starting to. It's compelling. He has compelling. Uh, enjoy. But I'm disappointed with the. I, I think that it's still good TV. Don't get me wrong. It's very. It's still good TV. It's still. What do you call it? You don't TV. call it TV though. It's uh, event entertainment. Event entertainment is what I call this because. <laughs> It's this just people don't watch it in a like I try and even when shows all come out at once on Netflix I try and watch one episode per week because I think that that's the way that television was meant to be watched. Whereas I watched the entire thing in literally three days. Last night was the most episodes I've watched <laughs> at one time. See, I think it's made to be watched like that. I think it's made to be watched as like almost like a ten-hour movie or thirteen-hour movie. Yeah, I agree, but I don't just because it's meant to be watched like a thirteen-hour movie doesn't. I mean, I think that that's how. Sorry. Uh, like Breaking Bad is the same way. Yeah. But Breaking Bad, I watched every week. Game of Thrones is the exact same way. I watch Game of Thrones every Sunday night. And I think that that allows TV to... Sorry, I was banging on the table trying to... It's okay. Emphasis. T- talk Emphasis. With, my, talk with my hands. Um, I think that that's how TV works at its highest level is on a weekly basis. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think Netflix is somewhere in between the movie TV game. I don't think you can officially call it a TV show. I like the event entertainment name. I think it's pretty creative. But I I think stuff like that is meant to be binge watched. And I said this the other I said this the other week. Do I'm you like, think that you liked it more because you binge watched yeah, it? Yeah, I think I I don't think I would if I'd watched it week by week, I think I would have stopped watching the season. Interesting. I mean, it's good. It's good. The one the last sort of question I have for you in this is do you think the fact it's so unrealistic as the way it's, things go down, do you think that affects that affects the quality of the show? I for, so first off, I don't think it's so unrealistic. I think it's unrealistic. I don't think it's it nearly as unrealistic as you're making it out to be. Well, um, to, sorry, it depends which aspect. I'm not. I'm not even talking about the way everything happens. I'm talking about more like the way they display it, like the way the debate happens, the way certain things go down. I'm trying not to spoil here, but they're. To me, it's just like it would just never happen that way. Some the overarching themes are very similar to what's going on, and they. Hit I on think a lot that of that's what makes points. it a good show. Honestly, I think that. Well, I mean, I don't. If I want to watch entertaining politics, I can turn on CNN because of what's going on. If I want to watch a TV show um, that's about politics, I'll watch House of Cards. So, so it doesn't matter. I don't. I think that that's what makes the show good. Even I. Th- I think that. I think that that's one of the things that makes the show good. I think the second thing that makes the show good are uh, is the acting of Kevin Spacey and Robin Wright. A, they're they're, they're unbelievable. They're Robin Wright really stepped they get no worse as the show goes on. They're still both incredible. I agree. All right, uh, and just a just a quick preview of what we'll be doing in the next couple of weeks. Once House of Once, excuse me, once Game of Thrones starts, we're going to be doing a weekly breakdown. We'll probably that, do uh, a preview of the week before. Yeah, we will, and then we'll do a recap after each episode. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, and with that, I think we're going to go to break. We will be back with our breakdown of jobs in America. Surprise! Kind of yeah. surprising we got to this topic, but should be pretty interesting for um, sure. This is Shmir's the deal. And then they acquitted him. Oh, cool. And who was president next? Four? No, Bush. He was already president. No, this was his son. Oh, the one from Florida. He's kind of cool. No, the one from Texas. 
Jr.? Fuck! My God, he, the one who traded Sammy Sosa? Fuck yeah! How was he as president? Kind of goofy. Really, he waved at Stevie Wonder. What the fuck? Like, wow! Welcome back to Schmears the Deal. I'm Nick Feynman. He's Jake Seawalk. We are still at Acme. There's still yeah. we could not finish the amount of smoke, smoke salmon that was in front of no, us. No, we could not. Um, a, again, a humongous thank you to everyone here at Acme that made this possible, and a humongous thank you to uh, Matt Pomerantz and Dan Pace over at Zucker's for providing us yeah. with the the bagels and schmear. This has been probably my favorite episode we've recorded. Not to be biased. This has but. been a. The, the, I, it's just been a very cool experience for both of us. We're getting to tour. You know, we've been, we've been eating Acme fish at a lot of these Pretty places we've been going to, and it's now very cool to come see I would recommend, how so they... They have sort of a, what they call Fish Fridays here. Right. It's 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. on it's Fridays. It's open to the public. It's open to the public. I could not recommend coming yeah, here more. really could not. Um, one of my roommates actually came a while ago and has encouraged, has had said it was amazing. I have not been to a Fish Friday personally, but we will be going, we'll be recording in the future, ho- hopefully there. Yeah. And uh, with that, um, speaking of the future, yeah, Jake and I want to talk a little bit yeah, about... Yeah, a good, uh, good segue, good segue And I'm getting better. It's like we've been doing this for a while. <laughs> we uh, we want to talk about something that uh, is has interested us and sort of enters into the technology and AI realm we've been talking about, which is the future of jobs in the United yeah. States. And I think there's a lot of questions and speculation. Kind of in the face of, of automation. Exactly. What happens? Are people's jobs going away this was spanned there was a very interesting article in fast company last week basically that hypothesized that computers will replace all jobs and specifically that the trend of people learning how to code the coding academies and coding in schools isn't going to affect any of that because it's a temporary thing the idea their argument was and then we'll talk about our views on it their argument was that even if you're learning how to code at a startup or anything, or you're coding in a startup now, that's all going to be outsourced to India and other places where co- it's going to be like coding sweatshops is what they called them. And if you're working on robots or advanced technology of that sort, their argument is that those jobs will go away because the robots will be able to fix themselves and code themselves and all that jazz. The common counter argument. Well, I just I personally think I would I would like to say that's a very very negative view. Yes, of, very pessimistic. Right. The counter is that, I mean, you saw a long time ago, really not even that long ago, 80% of American jobs were farm work. Right. And now it's 2%. Before the Industrial Revolution. Right. Now it's 2%. And we, it's not, those jobs went away, but it actually created more jobs as a result. And what you're saying is this is the continuation of a trend. Right. So then this, this makes the, sense. the counter is that as we lose more jobs to automation and uh, artificial intelligence, it won't, just because jobs will be lost in certain sectors doesn't mean it won't create more in another. It just will, the, the argument is essentially that the jobs will shift instead of be lost. Which they've already done. I mean, like you said, they're farmers now. They're, it's more industrial or coding or whatever's so needed. W- which do you? which outlook do you subscribe to? I think I'm somewhere in the middle. I think that... I, I am too. There's a stat that really struck me from this whole thing. Uh, and it's that a single computer program written by 12 developers, on average, will wipe out 100 jobs. That's a that's an, an general stat. It's from an MIT group that also is on the negative side, but 
to me, it's just a sort of how can it eventually not overtake a lot right. of a lot of the jobs, especially like garbage pickup and, you know, even like stuff we saw today, unfortunately, at the Acme factory, which is people, you know, their their work here. And we won't go too much into it because we promise not to. But it's a lot machine and it's all it's ha- part machine and part human work. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's the same in any place and, like this. Yeah. But any man, any manufacturing, more right. and more of that is becoming robotic and robot connected so it's hard to see jobs like that not going away totally agree and the the here's the real issue for people though and and this is where i kind of start to take a slightly more pessimistic stance on it is when when you saw all of these machines being built to assist with farming they were very specific machines right like they were machines that you can't do. You can't use them for anything besides besides like corn. Exactly. They they have a very specific purpose, right. and and that's it. But what's being created now are much more general forms of artificial intelligence right. and programming that can do a really any number of tasks. Yeah, that's true. And that is a very key distinction to make between um, what happened then and what's happening now, because it is dramatically different because of that i will say though i just and this is a general point about the way media handles these things and the way individuals in this day and age deal with technological advancements i think people way way overreact with a lot of this stuff i agree and And they they predict things that really won't happen for decades immediately and they take longer to happen for a couple of reasons richie just brought back our shoes in order to go into the factory we had or into the manufacturing area we had to wear big boots and hairnets and uh jackets basically so i i will say i just think the way the united states especially is set up in with advancements, but they are, they're roadblocks all over the place from regulation to funding to, you know, even human problems to creating this stuff. I think people overreact. I don't think this is an around the corner thing. I think I it's going to be a slow. I agree. Well, I mean, you, we, you see in the media on a, just a day in day out basis, just a pretty significant amount of sensationalism. Yep. And a lot of clickbaity, Articles and titles on stuff, etc. Can I just say I I don't want to single out many brands, but Business Insider go on Business Insider's website and just read their headlines. The most important thing to know in the world. Horrifying. I I I think there. It's not just Business Insider. No, I know, but that's that's like really major news sources are becoming more and more clickbaity, and. I think that that is a, a huge part of what you're talking about. I, I think that it is years, decades down the yeah, road. Yeah, because they, they a headline gets clicked on a lot that's, are all your jobs going to go away tomorrow? Right, of course. And I think that that instills a pretty significant in, amount of in fear. In fact, I clicked on it, and that's the reason why we're having this, uh, this really? argument, right? Well, I mean, that was the Fast Company article. I think that there is a lot of unnecessary fear created around something like this. I I do think that simultaneously it's something that needs to be constantly not addressed but at least thought about because i think it could it's one of those things where if you just say i don't want to think about it i don't want to think about it yet i don't want to think about it yet it could then eventually become a tremendous well do you know there's actually there are um there is a think tank well why why combinator is a famous tech startup and startup that is a startup accelerator that uh basically startups apply to and they help them with funding and with 
branding and all the things they need if they have a good technology. They've actually just launched something um, that is connected to UBI. I don't know if you've heard of that, no. but it's it's a sort of it's a Silicon Valley approach to what the hell would happen if all jobs go away. And it's it stands for United Base Income. The idea is that the government would be making right. enough money and it would it would be so profitable that they could pay a sort of this like I did read about socialist welfare base. Be, like basically everyone would have automatically some form of income and it would be determined on edu- well, education. Yeah, it's like educa- to give people motivation. And a lot of people think that that um, I mean, at least what I was reading, I was reading an article on Wired that thinks that a. it's called UBI UBI, that UBI would actually lead to significantly more um, work and progress being done by people as opposed to less I don't know. I I think there it's a it is a utopian outlook on society it's a very utopian if there's one thing pretty much everyone's learned is all utopia ideas fail that doesn't mean well the first one hasn't come along yet but obviously clearly well, you did see Zootopia because I would like to live there, and that was a perfect utopia. What are you talking? They're animals freaking out at people. What people did you see? In the I don't want to. I personally don't want to live in any place where anyone thinks pancakes are better than waffles. But that's a whole Ugh. other separate argument. Literally, we had. Getting back to the point, I think that <laughs> <laughs> we could have easily flown off the rails yeah. there, and I'm really tr- I'm gonna try and rein us in. Um, I think that there is definitely something that needs to be thought about. Definitely something that needs to be planned at, for at the forefront of our minds and something that needs to be exactly planned for. And simultaneously, I don't think people should freak out about it. Well, this is a little bit of a uh, the thing. A lot of people make arguments that, you know, highly educated jobs are even not that highly educated, like journalism, people would argue, is hard to replicate with machines. You know, Although they're, they're doing it. The there Associated was Press. a they're, Japanese robot that wrote a short story that won a prize. There's also the Associated Press uh, automates some of their. Really? Yeah, they, uh, they're, I guess it's their, specifically their company quarterly earnings are so based on how quickly they can get them out that they have robots or they have a computer program wild. that writes them writes them all right uh that I, I so think, i th- think we both take a pretty balanced approach to it yeah that you can't freak out but it's something you sh- that should be thought about right because exactly. a, a lot of the a lot of the you know blue collar jobs in this country are are have they are going away, to go away but they will fully go away yeah all right uh and with that positive outlook Oof. let's move on to the final toast this is the final toast And Jake, who are you final toasting here? I am final toasting the Warner Brothers DC superhero universe. Oh, boy. The movie Batman vs. Superman, which I have not yet seen. Crushed it in the box office. Whoa, 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 whoa. Right? It crushed it on Friday. Then- it had the most historical drop-off. <laughs> In box office from Friday uh, to Sunday man. that has ever happened. Oh, it has horrible reviews. It has right? horrible Neither reviews, of us have seen and it. the word yeah. of mouth plummeted it. Um, it. It basically needs to do a billion worldwide in order to recoup the cost. It's probably it's going. I wonder how it'll do in very China. Because China is such a big market, and they really screwed the pooch on this one. Um, they really needed to do a good job setting up the... I mean, they really rushed it, and they needed to set up the Justice League movies, the Wonder Woman movie, the all the individual uh, superhero and they, franchises, and they 
did a terrible job, and there is now so much pressure on Suicide Squad that right. comes out this summer and Wonder Woman that wow. comes out next year. If if either of them does poor, <laughs> not not uh, not both of them. If either of them does poorly, either critically or financially, it is done. They're done. They're done. My final toast, uh, a little bit different. Craig Sager, the longtime announcer yeah. of uh, basketball for TBS and TNT, he was diagnosed for I guess a third time the third with leukemia. Time. Really came sad. back. Really sad. Uh, they say he's three to six months to live. He is still out there reporting on the sidelines, doing yeah. what he loves. Um, and Steph Curry, easily the best player in the NBA, uh, gave him this shout out this week. Can you use the rest? Steph Curry, seeing you and doing what you're doing. I mean, we we got no excuses. So. Uh, you know, you're an inspiration for us to you know, just keep doing what we're doing, keep fighting. And uh, that's the mentality we have, and it's kind of contagious, so thank you. And what I think I think, what Steph is saying there is just appreciation. So he started out, Craig Sager started out as that guy in the crazy suits. Like, who the right. hell is this guy? And he turned into a fan favorite and sort of a cult hero. He's not, not even a fan, like more than a fan favorite. Coaches love him. Right. Players love him. Everyone in the, around the league right. loves him. He is a universally beloved person. And it's super sad, but more power to him for doing what he loves yeah. to the end. So, and again, on a somber note, that's two weeks in a row. I'll have a happier yeah. one next week. Um, that's going to end our show. Still, still a deserved. Uh, Absolutely, great guy. Um, and with that, like we always say, we'll do better next time. And stay toasty out there. This week's Schmears the Deal is brought to you by Acme Smoked Fish in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, and in association with Team Panther Productions. With special thanks to Norm McDonald and Robin Williams. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and for more information, visit SchmearsTheDeal.com. <laughs>